I thank God for His mercy toward me, toward all of us. To have this communication through the Word of God on this place in a certain format, in a certain order, mercy that I can penetrate into this Word, grow deeper, read it, and understand it. According to Scripture, these people who have this opportunity to hear this Word They bring fruit. And therefore, I thank God for His mercy and for the opportunity to be fruitful. And there's a song in Russian that sounds, Remember the mercies of the Lord, count your blessings, name them one by one. And there's one other mercy that I would like to remember to count to share with you and I think that you also see this mercy and count it as well I consider it mercy for myself that I have this person whom God has clothed in the spirit of, of, of as a father the presence of this person gives God the right to call his people his sons. As he, he had once said Moses, he had told Moses, he had said, go to Egypt, to Pharaoh, and tell him, let my son go, let my firstborn go. And if you do not, then I am going to destroy your firstborn. That's why I hear the words of our pastor, And when I hear these words from Pastor, my heart trembles and I see that this is a mercy of God. Now I would like to count this blessing. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 1. Therefore be imitators of God as dear children. We know that this is a certain conclusion of a thought that is written in Ephesians chapter 4 verses 22 through 24 that you put off considering your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man which is created according to God in true righteousness and holiness the word as we know to put off to renew and to set aside and to be clothed. And there are three verbs that we see here. And then again, these three verbs, this is to set aside, to renew, and to be clothed, behind which stands God's army, God's truth, God's glory, and God's victory when a person accepts this word, understands it, 
implements it into his essence, grows it, and demonstrates this word in his life. To set aside this first verb, as we know, is to distinguish the way of life of the new man from the way of life of the old man. It is to stop using the way of life of the old man. It is to refuse the old way of life, to take off the old way of life, to be freed from the former way of life, to be separated from the former way of life, and to die to the former way of life. To have the ability to imitate God as His beloved children, we need to also renew our mind. The verb that we see here is to renew. It is trans, uh, translated from the Hebrew language having seven different meanings. It means to implement, to be partaking, transform, to be obedient, to be enraptured, to be reborn, and to be victorious. We're to know that taking a look at these in relation to the new way of life, we receive the information in the format of the commandments of God for the implementing of the new way of life into the sphere of our thinking. We receive the opportunity to take the mercy of God in the image of this information to transform it. And these commandments, as we know, is our role and our calling to cooperate with the truth of Scripture and with the Holy Spirit. And no one besides us can fulfill this role. And the third verb, to be clothed into the new man, is broad. And it has uh, different meanings. This verb, to be clothed, we have already stopped to talk about it for quite some time now. And in Scripture, being clothed into the new man is being clothed into garments. And these garments are given to that category who, in the dignity of the bride of the Lamb, has prepared himself by setting aside their former way of life, renewing or think the thinking with the spirit of the mind, and he who has renewed the sphere of his thinking with the spirit of his mind, which is the mind of Christ in our heart. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has made herself ready, and to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Then he said to me, Write, Blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true sayings of God. Revelation chapter 19 verses 7 through 9. The process of clothing the remnants of the new man is a sign of the coming day of the Lord. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verses 4 through 5. For we who are in this tent groan, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed, that mortality may be swallowed up by life. Now he who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who also has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So this is the goal established by God, and at the end of ages, God has promised that He is going to uncover this goal in the visible world. This is a promise of God, and it begins to be unveiled in the visible world. And to be clothed into the, into the new man, to be clothed into the power of this new man, 
so that it could swallow this death in our body. We know that people also fought, always fought with death. People usually don't want to die, but they can't run away from it. Not too long ago, I had spoken with this intelligent person who had um, a medical background. And we talked about other things, but he had, had mentioned this fact that scientists are studying this question of death, and they see that there are two cells that combine. They can see that two cells combine. A man and a woman, and they say, and there's a new life that is born. And in this moment, where this moment divides into four parts, you know that cells, they multiply. Then he says, when they divide into four parts, the f this first division, he says, they see that the process of decay has begun. We say, well, how? The, a child grows and he becomes older. He becomes smarter. This process of life is in him. But scientists have already seen that the process of decay are, is a certain watch. The process of sin and death. We know that this is the process of sin and death. And scientists, this genetic engineering, this, sci this uh, science behind it, there are huge uh, means that are inserted into it. And people are trying to stop this process of decay. Or in the process of that not too long ago I have read that one uh, Chinese scientist was able to on the level of the genes the DNA was able to take away or to alter a chromosome so that uh, this child would not be sick with that specific in illness and scientists say This is so dangerous and so um, so complex. But there are those who think that they can um, that they can alter this. But God has already defined this in Scripture long ago, and He has written it, written of it in Scripture. We understand that everything is coming towards this. Can you imagine what kind of astonishment there will be when a person born of God? and was at the feast he had eaten from the food of God which God had given him and then all of a sudden he receives this process this process of life the process of life swallows up this process of decay in him it disqualifies it however you may call it and this will be such a sign under the heavens that kings are going to be astonished about what is happening. And we hear that this is drawing near, this is soon. By studying the clothing of ourselves into the new man, we have discovered that this process in seven different components, each of, each of which finds its definition and its expression in scripture. A person clothed 
and a linen clean and bright is a person who is clothed in the garments of salvation. Second, he is clothed in the garments of justice. He is crowned with the crown of a groom. He is adorned with jewels. He is clothed in wedding garments. He is clothed in linen, fine and bright. And he represents the power of Yahweh, Lord of hosts. The dignities that are in the three different dimensions, dignity of a king, priest, and prophet. The authority given in the powers of a king is intended to establish in the boundaries of our essence the law of the Almighty. The power in the, uh, the authority containing the powers of a prophet is called to, in our essence, give us and establish the limits of our calling the authority and the powers of a priest is called to, in our essence, represent the holiness of God and fulfill the uh, the ministry of an intercessor. How wonderful it is to hear these words about our essence. And of course, the children of God, along with God, imitating God as His beloved children, we can see that they have strived their eyes specifically to their, to the limits of their essence. What is occurring? What has God given? And what do we have? And what is this authority and this responsibility that we are called to be clothed in? A person clothed in the rank and dignity of a priest is a person clothed in the dignity of an intercessor to whom is entrusted by God the legal right through righteous prayer, which is the language of God and meets the requirements of His will, to draw near to God and enter into the presence of God in order to represent the rights and interests of God expressed in His will. By studying the seven signs of clothing being clothed into the new man, this will allow us to understand the instructions of sanctification in the dignity of a king, prophet, and the dignity of a priest. Isaiah 61, chapter 10, verse chapter 61 verses 10 and 11 I will greatly rejoice in the Lord my soul shall be joyful in my God for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation he has covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments and as a bride adorns herself with jewels for as the earth brings forth its bud as the garden causes the things that are sown in it to spring forth so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all the nations the first sign we've already talked about, we will repeat, God has clothed me in the garments of salvation. You know, as I see here, how um, more the more I'm studying this, I understand that we are supposed to, we are supposed to meditate on this, understand it very well. And that cell group I had said before, how much will be, 7 times 9. Someone gets the answer 53, 46. Oh, all of us have calculators. How do we memorize? How? Why do we need to memorize these things? I don't know. Um, I had, I have a calculator almost every day. And without us understanding this teaching, this word, as a multiplication table, it's going to be difficult for us to. Um, it's going to be difficult for us to grow in it because we're always going to rely on a calculator. 
There are two different kinds of salvation that follow one another, flow from one another that we must note. Each of these have their different levels that are related to us growing in faith. The first kind of salvation is given to us in the seed as a deposit. If this deposit is not placed into circulation or will not be grown, we will lose our salvation and we ourselves will turn ourselves into the category of the called, because of which our, na our names will be blotted out of the book of eternal life and we will inherit eternal perdition along with devil and his angels. Matthew 22:14 says, For many are called, but few are chosen. Our goal is to be these chosen. The chosen understand these two formats of salvation. The second kind of salvation is given to us as a guarantee in the format of the fruit that we bring that we must keep and multiply. Revelation 3, 10 to 3, 11. Because you have kept my command to persevere, I also will keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have that no that no one may take your crown. Revelation chapter 3 verses 10 and 11. There's another place of scripture. 1 Timothy chapter 2 verses 1 through 4. Therefore, I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Here, these are two different kinds of salvations, and we see them very clearly. You are saved. But how do we understand this? How do we understand the achievement of the knowledge of truth? We know that knowledge is um, to be uh, united with the truth. And people don't pay attention often to this because they understand that they have to become a disciple, that they have to pay a price, they have to represent the delegated authority of God. Excuse me, they have to accept the delegated authority of God. People often just think, accept salvation, and that's it. But to reach the knowledge of truth, they um, they try to go around it. Those who are chosen understand these two kinds of salvation, or these two actions, the two forms. The second sign is what are the seven things of putting on the new man means he has covered me with the robe of righteousness the robe of righteousness is active obedience the dignity of a disciple of Christ is always the dignity of active humility coming from a meek heart Christ has said come to me all who are weary and learn from me. I am meek and humble in spirit, meaning I am God, God in the flesh, but I have meekness. I have grown this inside of me and I have represented this before God. And you now learn from me. First we come to him, then we learn from him. If a person does not have the status of a disciple, then this means that he does not have humility that uh, brings upon the favor of God. And the lack of humility is a sign of intellectual pride that challenges God. 
1 Peter 5 5. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you must be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. And this kind of submission, you know, we submit to the words of the mouth. Because when we talk about wisdom, we talk about humbling ourselves. When a person humbles himself, he will never question or um, state, I don't understand it this way, or I have a different kind of opinion on this or interpretation of this. Therefore, we understand here that the price is contained here in this condition. In Hebrew, the robes of righteousness is all, was also clothing of priests. When we study the clothing of God's chosen remnants in the garments of a priest, we also there will see the clothing made of linen. There are two garments, one, uh, one outer one and one inner garment that was worn. Because scripture says that uh, in Proverbs 31-21, she's not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household is cold with double garments. We'll look at these double garments. Um, as we study the robes of righteousness, we will need to note what is righteousness and by which criteria can we define how we are justified and, and how we carry this righteousness. In scripture, there exists two kinds of salvation and two kinds of righteousness that cannot be comprised and exist without one another because they pursue one another, they flow from one another, and each of these kinds has its own level tied with growing in faith. Each of these kinds is a redemption of God and is given to a person, accepted by a person, on certain conditions. The first kind of righteousness a person receives in the moment of his acceptance of salvation, if, of course, he receives it on the conditions of God. And the character of this kind of righteousness can be seen uh, by apostle, uh, by a letter of Apostle Paul written in Romans, Romans chapter three, verses twenty-one through twenty-four. But now the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ, to all and on all who believe. For there is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Both of my parents believed in God, and so did my grandpa. But all of this does not matter because we are, uh, the righteousness of God is apart from this. And we are referring to our new birth from hearing the word of truth. This kind of righteousness cannot be the robe of righteousness because we receive it in the kind of salvation that is a deposit which is necessary to place into circulation. 
So in the first kind of salvation, we receive this format of righteousness as a gift of grace. And only when our circulation brings us a prophet, we will be given the right to be clothed in the garment or the robes of righteousness or the new man. And the, the second kind of righteousness that we receive through instruction and faith is an income or a reward that clothes us in the power of the fear of the Lord and makes us able to distinguish good from evil and practice righteousness in the works of justice. He who was unjust, let him be unjust still. He who was filthy, let him be filthy still. But he who was righteous, let him be righteous still. He who was holy, let him be holy still. And behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me. It's interesting that to affirm uh, justice in prayer is a dignity, and we repeat numerously, if we do not have the dignity of justice, then all the other virtues would stop being virtues, because of which the discipline of justice in the minds and on the lips of people is often attacked from the organized by the organized powers of darkness. Because without justice, God would stop being God, and ministry to God would turn into ministry toward, for Satan. That's why sometimes we hear pastors say synagogue of Satan because the justice has been altered or destroyed. But the unchanging word of God, um, his just his true justice cannot be uh, cannot be distorted or it cannot be destroyed. First Peter one seventeen. And if you call on the Father who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear. According to many uh, words from Scripture, only thanks to justice will the righteous be rewarded for their righteousness and be freed from the wicked. Whereas the wicked, thanks to the same kind of justice, will receive full retribution for their lawlessness and for their attack toward the righteous. Second Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 6-10 through 10. Since it is a righteous thing with God to repay with tribulation those who trouble you, and to give you who are troubled rest with us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, in flaming fire taking vengeance on those who do not know God, and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, these shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power, when he comes in that day to be glorified in his saints and to be admired among all those who believe, because our testimony among you was believed. With this definition that yields unchanging law of sowing, uh, reaping and sowing, reaping and harvest, we can firmly say that any kind of teaching that is based on the grace of God that guarantees salvation to people apart from their repentance is false. And if a person receives salvation but does not change his way of thinking, his words, and his actions, he lies to himself. Third, if a person receives salvation but ignores and does not acknowledge the order of the kingdom of heaven that is contained in salvation, in hierarchical subordination, this person is in perdition. We must run away or turn away from this person. Fourth, if a person accepts salvation but 
goes against God and the practice of tithes and offerings, this is a son of perdition. Fifth, if a person accepts salvation but allows himself to drink alcohol, he will lose his salvation. Sixth, if a person receives salvation but refuses to forgive um, his oppressors, his sins shall not be forgiven by God. This person cannot be called someone who is saved or a son of salvation. And seventh, is this kind of a person with all of these qualities that have just been listed, if he is allowed in heaven, as some say that God, according to his mercy, he is going to save everyone, then he will not be taught righteousness and he will not look upon the greatness of the Lord. And therefore, the true dignity in the subject of double garments can have, can a person can have, if he has accepted justification on the conditions of Scripture, and on the other hand, through edification and faith on the basis of that same Scripture, he has began to practice righteousness according to the norms of Scripture, and to better understand the nature of our new man, in whom we are called to be clothed in. And in this case, in the robes of righteousness, we will look at four different questions. The origin of the robes of righteousness, the purpose contained in the robes of righteousness, the conditions necessary to be clothed in the robes of righteousness, and fourth, the reward for having and keeping the robes of righteousness. And so, the first question, what does Scripture say about the root out of which flows the dignity expressed in justice, or out of which materi material are, are robes of righteousness made out of? According to Scripture, the origin of robes of righteousness can come only from the root of righteousness, and therefore to be clothed in the robes of righteousness, it is necessary for our justice to grow from the root of righteousness, or rather, to practice righteousness, it is necessary to be righteous according to our origin. And of course, this kind of face, who is righteous according to his nature, and who does not have any beginning or end, is God. Isaiah 53, 11. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. According to this prophecy, the Son of God, as the Son of Man, in order to bind us to the root of righteousness in his time by being in the flesh, he had gained the dignity of righteousness through his knowledge in God. And he received knowledge in God thanks to his discipleship or thratification in faith by eating milk and honey. So here we understand that Jesus Christ, he is one, he is firstborn. And we in him find our righteousness or gain our righteousness. From his righteousness, we can grow our righteousness or nurture it only in this way. He is going to eat milk and honey until he understands to choose good, to refuse the evil and choose the good. And the material and means out of which robes of righteousness are formed is gained through knowledge of God through discipleship. Whereas being clothed in the garments of righteousness is the fruit of our discipleship expressed in uh being affirmed in justice, whereas the proclamation of the faith of our heart and the justification according to grace is the first kind of garment of righteousness, whereas the affirmation of justice coming from our heart is the second kind of the robe of righteousness. And this occurs through the proclamation of the faith of our heart 
with our lips, the proclamation of the faith of our heart, proclaiming certain words that God places in our heart through the good news in the hearts of His children. His children take this word, they proclaim it, they proclaim the faith of their heart, and God acts according to their words. According to this passage, it's impossible to become righteous by doing certain deeds. One must be born righteous, grow in righteousness, and practice righteousness. 1 John 2.29 If you know that He is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of Him. Uh, all of a sudden, it becomes easy and simple. It's We can clearly see and define. And as I read, as I... Uh, look into this. I can see clear what's happening inside of me and what's happening in me and what's happening around me. The purpose that is contained in the garments of righteousness. The garments of righteousness contain three dignities of authority that have a relation to justice. This is the dignity of the high legislator, the high judge, and third, the dignity of a high commander, supreme commander. As a supreme legislator, God, in garments of righteousness, establishes the boundaries between God and man, man and God, man with himself, uh, those surrounding men, and man with all the rest of creation. As supreme judge, God, in the garments of righteousness, places his judgment as a light for the people. So Isaiah 51.4 Listen to me, my people, and give ear to me, O my nations, for law will proceed from me, and I will make my justice rest as a light of the peoples. So this justice, it's going to be found, it's found in God, and it flows on the body of Christ. Justice and the garments of righteousness call to justify and protect the vessels of mercy and condemn the vessels of wrath. So those who are called in these garments, they're going to practice this written judgment. They're going to uh, justify the righteous and condemn the lawless. We must stand on the side of God because He is the supreme judge. This is God's judgment. It's not human judgment. It's not judgment of, of the flesh. It is righteous judgment of God. As supreme commander to the new man, God brings his judge justice to fulfillment. He does this through the words written on the tablets of our heart. You know, I remember this program I used to watch before. It was quite some time ago. I would turn on the TV and there'd be a certain show on. You know, we don't have a T now. It is, it's hanging, but we don't have a cable. But you know, you come home, you're tired. What do you do? <laughs> you don't want to do anything else. You're tired. You lay down, you turn on the TV. That's what we would do. And I'd turn on the TV and there was a program that would play. How a person um, ends up in an accident. He sits on a bike, he gets into an accident, and he uh, exits his body as if. And he thinks that he meets with God. And 
and this person says, I was always uh, hesitant that I was gay. I have this sin in me and I was always fear, afraid of this. And all of a sudden I see that this light that I see outside of my body, that it loves me and he accepts me just as I am. And he tells me, I have created you this way. And you know, I when I heard this, I came to a panic, I had thought. But uh, scripture talks about this clearly. Maybe I'm not understanding something clearly. But maybe uh, scripture is misunderstood and there were these, these thoughts that had come but this was a long time ago I'll admit it was a long time ago but I came into a panic what do we do? how? how do we understand this? how do we comprehend? and how strong is the word that we read that it cannot be mixed it cannot be distorted I understand that this program was demonic, but, and people oftentimes they share these stories, and of course others might believe them. And now I understand that I was such an infant that I, that I was lost. And momentarily when I heard this, this kind of wind, it had taken me, this teaching, it had taken me, taken a hold of me, and I was already doubting myself, doubting what I believed in. And I had said to myself, I'm not going to say anything, I'm going to keep this inside of myself. But here we read in Scripture, this is the Word of God. This is the Word of God that God has proclaimed from His mouth that He has given us. And we have understood it, we have affirmed it, and this is the Word of God that must be proclaimed by the lips of a holy person, a person who is clothed in robes of righteousness a person who is in the image of God. Thus says the Lord in Hebrews chapter 10 verses 16 through 17. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds I will write them. Their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. God's legislation is yielded by the word of God, which he has magnified above all his name. So the word of God is justice. It is a measuring tool. Measuring tool of what is truth and what is righteousness. The word in the robes of righteousness yields the size of the reward and the size of the guilt. John 14, 28. He who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him. The word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. John chapter 12 verse 48. God as a supreme commander of righteousness uses his army that is comprised of many truths that find his expression in the robes of righteousness yielding the new man. Praise the Lord from the earth. You great sea creatures and all the depths, fire and hail, snow and clouds, stormy wind fulfilling his word, mountains and all hills, fruitful trees and all cedars, beasts and all the cattle, creeping things and flying fowl, king of the earth and all peoples, princes and all judges of the earth, both young men and maidens, old men and children. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted, his glory is above the earth and heaven, and he has exalted the horn of his people, the praise of all his saints. Psalms 148 verses 7 through 14. The body of a person clothed in the garments of righteousness is the only instrument through which the Spirit of God can fulfill His work in man 
as well as on planet Earth. It is the only instrument through which God can create something. And not just the body of a person, there's an important moment here, the body of a person who is clothed in the garments or robes of righteousness. The robes of righteousness, as we've noted, they are two formats of righteousness. Because according to scripture, only a person in the body clothed in double garments of righteousness can allow God through His Spirit to express His His inspiration on planet Earth. Genesis 1.26 Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea over all the earth. Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 We know that by proclaiming these words, God had practically um, limited himself by the person clothed in the robes of righteousness. And in doing so, God defined his relationship toward the new man on uh, and to the earth, which he places new man, so that this person will represent his perfection. John 5.27 And has given him authority to execute judgment also, because he is the son of man. So not some kind of unclean spirit. There is nothing written in scripture that God, or even to angels, God did not give, uh, did not, God did not allow his judgments to fulfill. Jesus Christ said, because he is uh, because he is a son of man, he has been given the authority to execute judgment. And angels are servants who are going to act according to the words that God is going to place in the mouth or the lips of his people who are clothed in the garments of righteousness. Judgment is retribution and for uh, this harvest to be uncovered, it is necessary for saints clothed in the robes of righteousness to affirm this harvest here on earth according to the will of God. Matthew 6.10 Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. According uh, to this command, those who are clothed in robes of righteousness can practice the written judgment, the written word. Psalms 149, verse 5. Let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud on their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth, and a two-edged sword in their hand, to execute vengeance on the nations and punishment on the peoples, to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron, to execute on them the written judgment. This honor have all the saints. Praise the Lord. Second, according to this, each holy person clothed in the garments of righteousness will practice the or execute the written judgment only in the boundaries of their responsibility. Matthew 7.2 Jesus Christ said, For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged, and with what measure you use, it will be measured back to you. There exists, there exists a measurement that God has given, the measurement of faith to each person that was given each according to the measure of their faith, each according to the boundaries that God gives. And these boundaries are the measure of our faith. For the judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. James 2.13 When a person exits out of the spheres of responsibility and he says something, you see Michael the archangel, he could not fulfill this judgment. what God has not given them or what was not a part of their responsibility they had judged and when they tried to judge something that is not under their responsibility um, they spoke in vain 
it's very important to note and I continue to learn this fear and I know my essence I am called to answer for this before God this is the main level of my responsibility this is the main limit of my responsibility and I'm trying and I continue to learn how with my authority or with my responsibility must I pressure someone or how when must I uh, when, when must I allow a person to decide for themselves? You see, a son, for example, comes to the father, um, asks for his part of the inheritance. And the father, of course, could say, what are you? You're too young. You don't know how to use it correctly. But what? The father gives it to him. And I'm still a little bit, uh, I'm still learning about this in my responsibilities and in my and in my boundaries but I thank God that he, he teaches us so that I not speak in vain third each holy person clothed in the garments of righteousness will practice only the righteous judge justice John seven twenty four. According to definitions, it follows that the new man in the robes of righteousness is called to bring every deed and every mystery to just judgment, whether it is good or e or evil. People are oftentimes taken. Um, people oftentimes look at others and they speak ill of him, and then all the the rest of everyone they look at him this way. This is incorrect. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. Ecclesiastes 12.14 So, for this, God has established in the church a person whom he has clothed uh, in the spirit of a father or the heart of a pastor and he has given him the ability to know this time when he must do this or that how how good is that we don't need to to take responsibility for ourselves that God has not given us so that we don't rip our hair out then and say what have I done God says when there is when there is a matter that needs to be um, discussed or that needs to be decided, go to that person whom whom I have established. Go to this person, how he teaches, act this way, act according to this way, and fulfill what he had said, what he says to do. Second, a new man in the robes of righteousness is called to participate in discrediting um, unrighteous courts or judgments. Romans 2.1 Therefore you are an excusable man, whoever you are who judge, for in whatever you judge another you condemn yourself. The new man, third, in the new, the new man in the robes of righteousness is called to 
participate in the building of his trust in God, Isaiah 26, 8. We trust in the Lord, thanks to his judgment. Isaiah 26, 8. Fourth, the new man in the robes of righteousness called to participate in offering fruit of joy. Psalms 97, 8. Zion hears and is glad, and the daughters of Judah rejoice because of your judgments, O Lord. God practices judgments, and we must rejoice. You know, with faith, I begin to see this in my heart. Before, previously, I had perhaps uh, these judgments. It was painful for my old man. My old man was very loud in my essence, and when God had fulfilled certain judgments, for some reason it was painful to me. But you know, these wounds are placed on the old man. He is being destroyed. He is being placed into this cage. And when I hear certain judgments, then there is gladness in my heart. There is joy. When I rejoice when I hear the word of the Lord, when it corrects me. The new fifth, the new man in the garments or robes of righteousness is called to participate in being taught uh, the judgments of God. Psalms 119.102 I have not departed from your judgments, for you yourself have taught me. So behind this, God stands. You know, when God stands and we in our hearts know that when the righteous one uh, punishes or corrects us, and saints do not depart. If there is correction, saints do not depart. If there is correction, that means it is needed. Six, the new man in the robes of righteousness is called to participate in testimony against those who reject the messengers of God. Mark 6, 11. And whoever will not receive you nor hear you when you depart from there, shake off the dust under your feet as a testimony against them. Assuredly, I say to you, it will be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. Seventh, the new man... And the robes of righteousness called to participate in the ceremony of the marriage of God with his chosen nation. Hosea 2.19 I will betroth you to me forever. Yes, I will betroth you to me in righteousness and justice. What is the price for being clothed in the garments or the robes of righteousness? There are four different prices. And behind each of this thought, there is a place of scripture. Of course, we've already gone over this, and um, we summarize a lot of it because we've already studied this truth. We've already heard this truth. We've already heard about what five times five is, and that's why, uh, considering our time, 
we uh, read these statements because they must resonate in our hearts. They must resonate clearly because we've already uh, we've already learned them. And when we say five times five is twenty-five, you ask why, how? When you write out to have look five times five, count. If you don't believe me, then count. Look, write it out, draw it out, count. Okay, twenty-five. All right, that's true. Good. And then you begin to learn this formula. Same thing here. Reading this text, uh, we are reminded of it. We've considering the fact that we've already gone over it. The first price is comprised of uh, us f being filled with the fear of the Lord. The second price for the right to be clothed in the garments of righteousness or the robes of righteousness is comprised of the conditions that, with the fulfillment of which we are called to turn upon ourselves the favor of God. The third price is the price for the ability to judge all that comes from the Spirit of God and to not depend on the ju judgment of any kind of carnal person. And fourth, the price for the right to be clothed in the garments of righteousness is the price for the ability and the right to acknowledge the mind of God in order to judge it. And so, the first price for the right to be clothed in the garments of righteousness comprised of fulfilling us the condition that allow us to be filled with the fear of the Lord. Of Christ is written, His delight is in the fear of the Lord, and He shall not judge by the sight of His eyes, nor decide by the hearing of His ears. Isaiah chapter 11 verse 3. To have this ability, to have this ability to fill this judgment, we need to be filled, to be filled with the fear of the Lord. As far as we know, the price of the right to be filled with the fear of the Lord is comprised of edification through faith, which we can receive through that person whom God has established over us, to edify us in faith and bring us to perfection that is inherent to the perfection of our Heavenly Father. Isaiah 7:15. He will uh, curds and honey he shall eat and that he may know to refuse the evil and choose the good and we know that God has established certain people so that we can be brought into the perfection of Christ when a person himself chooses teachers who would flatter his ears um, he will turn astray 2 Timothy 4, 3-4 For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itchy ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. They will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside and be turned aside to fables. Um, it's very easy for people to choose people uh, or teachers through the internet or through the radio. If this person... Uh, is placed right next to you if this person is looked at and this person says something you need to do this or that you need to submit to this person all of a sudden he says well I don't I don't I don't believe him I don't accept what he says and nowadays there are many kinds of these people who choose various teachers for themselves and then they leave them and go to another one why because they don't need to submit they call it church in the internet that some this so-called church is so far away and people say this is my pastor never having seen this pastor never having demonstrated obedience but they like the words that he says he says it um, nicely and plainly people says well I like how how he preaches uh, lies is in fact venom 
person represents accepts venom and up until a certain point that satisfies him. But when he is poisoned and he is destroyed, um, it turns out it, it's oftentimes it's too late because this person is already far gone because he is fat. He finds himself in the snares of death. And this venom is brought to this person as a revelation of the Holy Spirit. But this is how Scripture characterizes those who will flatter our ears. Romans chapter 3, verse 13. Their throat is an open tomb. With their tongues they have practiced deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. In the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law. Romans 3, 13-18 Churches that are comprised of people who have chosen teachers um, and who have been who gathered because they have separated themselves from other churches are synagogues of Satan. Proverbs chapter 5, verses 1-6 through six. My son, pay attention to my wisdom. Take a look at these words. My son, how wonderful it is to hear them understanding how they flow from heaven onto the earth. My son, pay attention to my wisdom, lend your ear to my understanding, that you may preserve discretion, and your lips may keep knowledge. For the lips of an immoral woman drip honey, and her mouth is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death, her steps lay hold of hell. Therefore, lest you ponder her path of life, her ways are unstable, you do not know them. Proverbs chapter 5, verses 1 through 6. Whereas the congregation of those who have chosen the person whom God has established are defined by scripture as uh, the bride of the Lamb, the house of God. Of it, it says, Your lips, O my spouse, drip as a honeycomb. Honey and milk are under your tongue, and the fragrance of your garments is like the fragrance of Lebanon. Songs of Solomon, chapter 4, verse 11. And the book of, uh, of Proverbs, uh, this honey... Uh, this honey is viewed at as words that are sweet to the soul and uh, healing for the bones. Proverbs 16:24. Pleasant words. The definition of pleasant wor- verb uh, words in Hebrew means the favor of God. Songs of Solomon 5.1 says, I have come into my garden my sister, my spouse. I have gathered my mirror with my spice. I have eaten my honeycomb with my honey. I have drunk my wine with my milk. Eat, O friends. Drink. Yes, drink deeply, O beloved ones. Songs of Solomon chapter 5 verse 1. This is the feast that the saints of God are found in. This is that which happens today. It is that which we participate in. Second, the second price for the right to be clothed in the robes of righteousness. It is a price paid for the ability to, or the ability to turn the favor of God upon ourselves. This price is comprised of uh, the union or the bond of uh, several different components. They are all found in one another. 
One of the components of the ability to gain the favor of God is comprised of accepting our salvation in Christ. Matthew 3.17 says, And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. So, uh, being, uh, finding favor in Christ. There was a limousine service that existed before, and there was one person, he was from a Christian church, from a Pentecostal church. He was mature, he was a known businessman in Portland. He had told us before, I have decided to go to Buddhism. And when you knew a person for a long time, you knew that he was Pentecostal, he was American, he was a very pleasant person. All of a sudden, he says, I have decided to become a Buddhist. I was very, he said, I am very um, saddened by Christianity. And I had thought to myself, well, maybe God has, through Buddhism, he has a way to grasp this person because this person is so nice. He's so smart. He's so intelligent. He's so generous. And he was going to the Pentecostal church, and now all of a sudden he's going to Buddhism. And, of course, we understand that there is no other name under heaven. And, of course, this person have, um, turned away from God. But in fa favor is found in Christ, and there is no other name under heaven. And there will be no other name. There is only one name, the name of Jesus Christ. The next... Uh, component of the ability to find the favor of God depends on the level of our spiritual maturity. And you know, when I was a manager before, I had a one um, Muslim who worked and we were very good friends with him. We had a very close relationship, so not too long ago, I came to him and I said, I saw he's a, he had a new limousine, an expensive one, and I said, if I need to take someone, like my daughter has a birthday, I asked him how much will it cost, and he said, Dimitri, it'll be free for you. What kind of question? We have such good relations that he would be willing to give it to me for free. And I remember looking and began to be worried, is he not going to be saved? He says, Dimitri, we have one God. We're just going through different paths. But he doesn't believe in, Christ, in Jesus as Lord. There is no other name under heaven with which we can be saved. It's only the name of Jesus. And this person, he has no, uh, no, this, no path to Christ, no path to God. A second, again, the second opportunity to be uh, to gain the favor of God depends on the level of spiritual maturity. First Samuel two twenty six. The child Samuel grew in stature and in favor both with the Lord and men. To have favor from God, we must grow. If we do not grow, we will not have favor upon us. That's why we grow. The next component of the ability to gain the favor of God is comprised of the revelation of the path of the knowledge of God. Moses had said, See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you do not let them know you do not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and that you have also found grace in my sight. Uh, therefore, I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way. Oftentimes we hear about this favor. To have this favor, a person um, we come to God and we go, uh, we bend our knees and we ask God, how do I determine what is the truth? And when a person asks, truly seeks to know the true way, he will be shown the true way. 
he will show the way of the truth, the word of God. He will reveal that person through whom he will lead, through whom he will accept the fatherhood of God and receive the adoption of the body. The next component is comprised of proclaiming with our lips the faith of our heart. Leviticus chapter 1 verses 3 through 5. If in his offering is a burnt sacrifice of the herd, let him offer a male without blemish. He shall offer it of his own free will at the of the tabernacle of meeting before the Lord. Then he shall put his hand on the head of the burnt offering, and it will be accepted on his behalf to make atonement for him. We know that the male gender points to the proclamation, the ability to proclaim the faith of the heart. That's why, in order to gain favor, it was necessary for him to proclaim the faith of his heart with his lips. The next uh, component of the opportunity to gain the favor of God is comprised of bring our first fruits to the priests. Leviticus 23:10-11. Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, When you come into the land which I give to you and reap its harvest, then you shall bring a sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest to the priest. He shall wave the sheaf before the Lord to be accepted on your behalf. On the day after the Sabbath, the priest shall wave it. We have heard uh, many times, and I have uh, applied this numerous times, the first sheaf, I have opened some kind of new business, a new startup company, bring to the Lord our first fruit. The first uh, monthly income. Come and uh, bring it. If we want to find favor from God, as His Son, we do this. And when He brings this, through this, He will uh, gain the favor of the Lord. The next component, giving the opportunity to gain the favor of God, is comprised of gaining the er, of gaining the dignity of an infant or a babe. Luke ten twenty one. In that hour, Jesus rejoiced in the Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. When on Sundays we pray before service, I always try to uh, remind myself of this thought, that we must empty ourselves, that we must stand before God as babes. A babes, what do they do? Our wisdom and our mind, they resist God's revelation. We think that we go to church for so many times, but still, our w this is not talking about the people of this world. They're talking about Christians who love God, but who have uh, their own kind of wisdom, their own kind of understanding. They think that they understand everything and they know everything. You might even, I'm talking about myself, you might be sitting next to a person, um, and often, you know, it might happen that pastor says a word incorrectly, and this person all of a sudden jumps up wanting to correct. This kind of person, um, he, he is filled with his own wisdom, and he um, he won't be able to gain the favor of God. Each time when we come to God to hear His word at church service, we have to have this heart of a babe. Then we will find favor before God. The next component that gives us the opportunity to be to gain the favor of God depends on the favor of those saints whom God has established over us. Second Thessalonians 1:11. Therefore, we also pray for you that our God could, would count you worthy of this calling to fulfill all the good pleasure of His goodness. 
the next component and our time is concluding and has practically concluded and if God allows us in the future we'll go over this again because there are more components left to go over um, but here are the components that we've had the opportunity to remember today and we've gone over them and we will pray uh, we will pray and implement these components in our prayer and affirm them through us through proclamation of the words of faith in our prayer before God amen We thank you, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, bowing our hearts before you on this place that you have established for the worship of your holy name and that you have revealed in our hearts that we have submitted to not looking at the storms of resistance the trials weaknesses you bring us again and again to this place through which you have lifted us not once on the heights unreachable to us heights that are found in Christ Jesus our Lord and that we can inherit by dwelling in your body taking up that responsible place that you in your wisdom have appointed and established we thank you that we have had the opportunity to find this place to be established in your grace upon this place to accept your truth and your great mercy on this place may this place be blessed before your face may your church be blessed the congregation of your holy saints in your order with the head of the person who represents the fatherhood of God through the ministry we can have the promise of God in our life yes and amen We thank you, Lord, for these great, precious promises of which you have written about in your word, which our mind doesn't always comprehend or accept. We accept this by faith through the gospel of God. We proclaim it with our lips before your face. And we begin to enter 
into this promised land that you have promised to our fathers to lead them into their children into we thank you for this sonship and for your great mercy in this sonship I thank you Lord that you have chosen us to be vessels of mercy allow us to stand firmly in truth but binding ourselves to the faith of the gospel that has been passed down to your saints that they pass along from generation to generation from one lineage to another you have granted us this mercy to enter into this great promise your children whom you have chosen to pour out your mercy, your grace your great promises, the promises of God that are contained in your words that are hidden in your word you Lord according to your mercy unseal it for us we thank you allow us to always before your face have the opportunity and the ability to represent ourselves or to present ourselves as babes so that you can continue to teach us we bless your messengers may those who come in the name of the Lord be blessed may our pastor be blessed before your face whom we have uh, accepted and continue to accept according to your word according to your will may he be clothed in the spirit of wisdom authority the greatness of your word may this wisdom fill him and we your servants your children give us a wise heart and meek heart allow us to present ourselves before your face by cooperating with your mercy with your holy word we accept this ability on this place before uh, we accept this ability before your face to be humble and to uh, humble our minds and our thoughts so that you could clothe us with your grace so that you could pour out your grace in the gospel word
upon us, your messengers. We rejoice of your victory. We thank you for your kingdom that comes. Your kingdom come, Lord. And let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We proclaim this will, this word of yours that is uncovered, your good, acceptable, and perfect will. May be magnified on this earth as it magnifies itself in heaven. We have forgotten our nation in the house of our Father so that we could walk into the land of promises that you have called us to. We have given up our personal desires for your word, for your desires. Help us. Help us to be freed. Allow us to become your servants forever, to abide in your truth, to humble ourselves, to demonstrate obedience to that word that you will teach us. We thank you that the time is drawing near. We thank you that your kingdom reigns. You are coming in your kingdom. Allow us to prepare to meet with you. We thank you for this portion, for this great mercy, for this great wisdom that we have the opportunity to hear and abide in. And may your name be magnified, your great and holy name among your people, Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the hands of the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.